yes. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Peter Agostin, and you are tuned to my new and ongoing podcast. It's called The House List, just like The Guest List. So when you put someone on The House List, it's just like The Guest List. I just marked your name off, and you're in it with me, your host, Peter Agostin. Mm. Yes. And um, my very special guest today, Frankie Rose in the place we had a great conversation i've known her for a while so it's good to catch up i hadn't seen her in a while and she has a brand new album coming out on slumberland records august 11th called cage tropical the song at the beginning of the podcast is called trouble and that's off of that record too i listened to the album it's great it's awesome and we talk about it so we talk about a lot of stuff it's quite cool uh i want to thank you guys for tuning in if this is your very first time listening and checking out the house list thank you so much i appreciate it uh you can find us really quickly i'm gonna break it all down and get this out of the way it's on itunes stitcher google play soundcloud and now on youtube as well so if you prefer to listen to things on youtube if that's your median then search the houseless podcast all one word and you'll find it there i just put it up we uploaded every single past episode this is episode 41 so the previous 40 are all up there so some really great conversations uh that i think you should check out with some people that you probably would love to hear from i'd like to think so so yes here we are i'm in new york right now i'm in brooklyn i'm recording this intro but i'm right about to leave to go to california um for some work i got some shows with some bands that i work with but also to record some podcasts while i'm out there too which i'm really looking forward to it should be a fun trip and uh, very much a DIY operation, bouncing from place to place, trying to record these compelling chit-chats with people. So look out for that. Um, hopefully you had a safe and sound 4th of July weekend. I'm recording this right before um, the festivities, and it's extremely quiet and calm and serene in New York City right now, which, which I like quite a bit. It, it helps me think. And now um, we can nestle in to my chat with the one and only frankie rose and um yeah i think it was awesome and it was great to talk to her she's really cool very uh great production mind too uh, beyond the stuff that you may know of her from her solo records her first band kind of under her own name frankie rose in the outs but of course some of you may know her from her tenure playing in the vivian girls and crystal stilts uh, the Dum Dum Girls uh, as well. So, yeah, we kind of like chat about a little bit of all of that stuff. And she's got a tour that kicks off on the day of the album release in Philadelphia. Johnny Brenda's on August 11th, the same day the record comes out. You can see all those dates at frankierose.info. So, yeah. And what I didn't realize, too, is that she actually has a podcast in the works coming up uh, that you should check out for, too, called Weird Night with Juan and Frankie. It's about, like paranormal activity and, and and stuff like that so if you're interested in that kind of subject like i am then definitely look out for that um it's going to be pretty cool so we kind of get into I, I reveal some personal stories about my own experience both with uh um seeing a ufo and uh some terrible uh reiki experiences i've had so yeah i don't know somehow i started opening up in a weird way but uh it should be pretty good so anyway listen check this out my combo with the one and only frankie rose only here on the house list 
Are you from? Where are you from exactly? Yeah, I'm from like 30 minutes south of LA. Okay. But I left when I was 16. And so. you came here? No, I was in San Francisco for like nine or ten years, and then now here. Were you doing? Was that because of music, or was it just um, because of like if, at 16? Were you moving around or what? Oh yeah, and I thought that. I mean, I knew I wanted to come to New York, but I was very impressed with San Francisco at 16. It to me, it sure. felt it felt like it felt like a, a close New York or something. So. Yeah, I mean, I remember. So I moved to I moved to Oregon, Portland, Oregon, in 1999, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I went to San Francisco was like probably it wasn't it was 1999 I think, and I was I like moved across country because I'm from Virginia originally. And I drove cross country with a buddy of mine that was moving to Missoula, and he had uh, come to visit me in Portland, and we were like drinking beer and like smoking weed and like eating pizza and like uh, we we're like let's go to San Francisco. So we, um, I don't, I really regret some of these decisions that we mm-hmm. made back then because I was like 18 years old. But we just got in the car like at 11 o'clock and drove from Portland to San Francisco and that was like my first time there and it was um uh like just a pretty magical kind of experience I remember we like slept on the beach and shit and like it was magical then yeah I mean it was an amazing place then were you there around that time um yeah I was like 97 90 yeah until yeah, I mean, I guess nine or ten years later. So, I mean, mm. I, I was there through both, well, yeah, the first dot-com boom, and then right. there was, like, a second one. Yeah. Um, including displacement to Oakland. <laughs> so you started living in San Francisco and then moved to Oakland during that time? It, at, at some point, but I, I went back and forth. Right. But there was, you know, at one point during the first dot-com, everyone was just getting kicked out of their apartments. I mean, now yeah. it's just completely gentrified, and it's, that's all it is now. It's I know. It's crazy. place for software engineers to live. So Yeah, I'm trying. I have a band that's playing at the Elbow Room in the beginning of July, mm. and I'm just trying to find... They've never played... They're like a Hungarian band, so they've never played in San Francisco ever, and I'm trying to find like a local... Some kind of local openers, too. It's hard. In San Francisco, it's 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 nearly impossible. It is because everyone moved to L.A. or New York. Right. It's not, I know almost nobody that lives there anymore. And the artists that are there now um, are just constantly complaining. Were you doing music there, though? That's where I started playing music. Yeah, I was just in punk bands. Uh, I must have been started when I was like 23 or 24, something like that. So. Did you do film stuff, too? Uh Uh-huh. I went, (laughs) my one attempt at um, college, which... I quickly realized I didn't have enough money to do it, but I, w- I did a semester of, of art school at the San Francisco Art Institute, um, and I did do a lot of film, actually. I did a cool. class with George Kuchar, who's, um, I don't know if you know who he is, he's amazing. Um, it was like a thing that, having a class with that man was um, like very, and left a mark on me, because his whole what thing was... What was the was, emphasis in the class? Oh, well, he's sort of like the father of, like John Waters, yeah. kind of almost ripped him off. I don't want to say that. He plays, he, he pays, plays, he pays homage, is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> homage, mm-hmm. homage to, to George Kuchar and sort of everything he does. But um, he was the first kind of guy to be like, anything goes. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to let the, I'm going to let the camera roll and like everything that happens on there is fine and interesting. Um, and so 
when you're young, a young artist or a person that makes things, to have um, somebody like that tell you that everything you do is okay, um, yeah, that's, that's that there's big. no rules, that's an amazing message, right? Um, which stuck with me forever. Were you shooting? Did you have like a like a Super 8 camera and stuff too? Or you... I did, yeah. I feel nice. like I made some crappy little films. I'm no filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, I think nah, it's but... something that just like piqued my interest. But Of course. Um, and San Francisco at that time too was had a lot of really great like experimental mm, film stuff going on. For sure. I remember that. Because I went to film school too. Oh. At the Northwest Film Center in Portland. That's actually the reason why I went there. So I remember this, especially... On the West Coast, really, like Portland and San Francisco had a great, I feel like, independent film sort of kinship in these, like, mm -hmm. kind of sort of, if, you know, the mid to late 90s, um, you know, just alternative and experimental film. And Super 8 was such a big part of that, too, shooting mm -hmm. on that because it's just economical, too. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I think somewhere along the way, I, I saw that you were that you did film and I know that even this record too has some cursiary like um, inspiration from some films and some uh, the one the Italian movie which I re regretfully haven't seen which I know is um, uh, is um, my, I was talking to my buddy Ryan about this before I got here too which is a uh, like a classic you know what I'm talking about it starts with an S um, Oh, like Suspiria? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've slept on that too. So, but I know that that's like, a, yeah, it sort of informed some of the music making for the record. Yeah, though. for sure. I mean, I think, didn't Goblin do the soundtrack for that? I'm pretty sure they did. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, I the, love Yeah, all Italian that stuff. film, yeah. Uh, Goblin did a lot of great uh, mm -hmm. Italian scores and soundtracks, yeah. I, I mean, I love all that stuff. I love I have John Carpenter soundtracks. I yeah. think are amazing. Of course, and Tangerine Dream, obviously. Yeah. Stuff have you ever? Nice. Did you? I saw them in New York once. Did you ever see? Have a chance to even play? It's pretty no. amazing. Goblin? No, it was uh, Tangerine Dream. Did this thing like yeah a couple years ago. No. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so how do you transition out of San Francisco, or what? Like, was it just a point where it was time to get? serious with music stuff or no I was never serious about music I mean I just really was in punk bands and I was yeah. happy to be there and I never thought that any kind of m money or I never thought anything about it I mean right. it was my like purely joy for me but I had to get out of San Francisco because I was a bike messenger and I'd been a bike messenger for mm, I don't know like seven years or something and I was <laughs> like I'm gonna be a 40 year old bike messenger <laughs> if I if I stay here like I had a yeah really, they got some of those there I mean yeah I mean, I, I mean, there was no reason for me not to do that because um, there, I had a great job by the time I left where I barely had to move at all. I, be, I was like a legal messenger. Oh, um, okay. Not the whole time. I was a, you know, I was just running packages everywhere for many years, but later I got a process server's license, so I was doing legal careering. And so you make a oh, lot okay. of money doing a lot less. Yeah, it's documents and stuff, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, racing to the courthouse, like, before four, before before it closes to stamp something. So, mm. you know, I I had a... It was nice. It was the best, best job I ever had, I'm telling you. You have no boss. It's I made really great money, but... Um, so you're just, like, sort of on call and people are like, I, yeah. need, you to take, I need you to pick this thing up? Mm -hmm. And then, like, in the off time, if you don't have anything, I mean, you just... San Francisco is your office. I was right. just... We'd pal around with everybody. We'd like go to museums or like anything that was have break into pools. Like, and then oh, if yeah. you got a call, you just jump on your bike and be gone. You know, go pick something up. Oh, it was yeah, really works. fun. Yeah. 
But I definitely, I mean, it's also, it's a weird scene, though. I mean, it's like, it's tragic. It's also very tragic. Um, what, the uh, the terminal messengers or something? Like? Terminal messengers. I mean, there's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of right. people getting hit by cars. It's just, it's kind of uh, dark. It's really dark. Did you ever get hit? Twice. Did you? Yes, I did. Did you hit the ground? Oh, yeah. One time I got taken to the hospital in an ambulance, but no, I didn't break anything. I just had severe bruising, and mm. it was not it was not so crazy. It was kind of my fault, too, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because that, I mean, that obviously, that's why I don't, I can't ride a bike in New York at all. Like, I can't, I'm, I'm definitely afraid of, and I, I know I sound like a total wuss oh, no. by saying that, but I've known a couple people that got hit in New York. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that shit is fucking terrifying, mm-hmm. you know? I know. Yeah, no, I had, I had to get out of there. I mean, or I just would have done that forever. And were you, like, going to shows, too? So you were kind of, you were playing some shows? Yeah, too? I was playing shows, and I had, like, an awesome band that was sort of like a proto-grass widow. Sweet. I don't know if you know those yes, girls. Yes, of course. But, um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, I played with all of them except for Lily. Oh, really? And, yeah, Lily was the, uh, she took my place as the drummer. Oh, interesting. And then it, be- it became Grass Widow after I left. What was it called before that? I can't tell you. It's too, it's too embarrassing. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's not a cool name. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Grass Widow, of course, I remember from their days at Panache when I was working at Panache, mm-hmm. too. And they were definitely, like, early on the roster because uh, Michelle, you know, really formed the agency in San Francisco. It was, like, the era of, like, the Coach Whips and stuff I like remember. that. I remember. Did you play with the Coach Whips at all? I don't think I ever played with the Coach Whips, right. but <laughs> fun fact... Um, I worked with one of them at my eight, at Bike Messenger, oh, yeah? John Harlow, who's like oh, still yeah. one of my really good friends. Oh, I, cool. I love John. So yeah, I mean, and and actually, um, Gianni Dwyer, he I he I wasn't friends with him, but he would messenger sometimes too, and we'd be like in line at court together, you know. That's <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that is funny. I mean, I, I guess that makes punks. Yeah, you know, totally. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, Job wise, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like I mean, it's extremely flexible and like. Obviously, when the courts close and the play, the offices close, then you don't have to work anymore. Yeah, you know, right? it was great. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> I dig that. So then you went to then you went back to LA or something? Or? Oh no, Oof, no, I don't know. I, no, no, I just I went straight here. I didn't like LA. I, I don't ask me why I tried to move back there recently. Um, yeah, I just yeah. I I think I went to. I visited New York with a friend, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing, you know. Had you um, gotten to the point of, like, wanting to play music there, too? Or is this just, uh, music was just still kind of like a, just like a side thing? It was the thing that made me the most happy that was just, yeah, for fun. And I definitely wanted to play when I I got here to New York. and I didn't really know anyone to play with, so that that, that took a while. Did but. you know anyone at all? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did because I was in a I was in this bike club called the Black Label Bike Club. Oh, nice. Okay. They do this thing called Bike Kill every year. It's they're sort of, um, I not, not I'm friends with some of them still, but not not really around that anymore. But I but moved it still in, exists. It right? still exists. Oh yeah. Um, and they had like a house. Um. In Bedsty, and I, I moved, I moved in there. Whoa. So it was like a clubhouse. Right. It was fun. <laughs> Do you remember bikes in the kitchen? This thing. It was like these dudes that were like put on shows. It was like a DIY Brooklyn. Yeah. Early I do like that. early sort of scene where mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the whole bike sort of 
proto punk bike kind of culture and stuff. Yeah, too. now now I don't know what it is. It's yeah, it's, I don't know at all what it, it is. It's there's not. It's not. It's yeah. just like everyone has a track bike and everyone. Yeah, it's definitely. It's not the way it used to be. So interesting. So that was like your entry way into like um, settling in New York. Mm-hmm. It was. It really was. Um, That's then, wild. Well, yeah. So what year is this? What year are we talking? So yeah. I can get some true context because obviously things have so changed a lot. It must have been 20... Six or just had just turned twenty six, I think. So uh-huh. I mean, that's how long ago was that? <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm not so bad at put date. You on blast I know. Anyway. <laughs> it was um, a while ago. Yeah. So how long until? Because obviously, people like associate you with a lot of the bands that you were kind of you were a part of several like ensembles or outfits mm-hmm. or groups and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so, and was Vivian Girls the first thing that like you had kind of fallen into as far as like a normal kind of regular? Yeah. Band type situation. Yeah, I I, I, I later moved I, after that place. I moved into this <laughs> kind of I guess you would call it a punk house. I mean, it was pretty much there was like beer cans in the shower. Definitely, it was oh, yeah, very definitely. like it was. It was called the Orphanage. It was in Greenpoint, where now it is now Maha Rose, the Reiki studio. Oh wow! Just they, my loft where I slept is still there. It's funny to go in there and you know, it's not a punk house anymore. Have you been inside? Yeah, have you I done have. Reiki there? No, I don't. No, nope. I did. Do you not mess with that stuff? I mean, I may, I would. I don't know. I'm open. Someone I did it to me when I lived in California. I lived in Humboldt for like five years, and someone—that's where I finished school. Someone, uh, this guy, like this sort of like fake like shaman dude, Ooh. like did it to me. Like when it, this was like in 2000 or 2001, so it wasn't as popular as it is now, right. obviously. Or widely known, or I don't know. And I remember I like sat in this chair, like in a wooden chair or something like this, like in the middle of the room. <laughs> and he like you know did his whole. Th- I don't. I've never done it since because I felt so kind of manipulated and taken advantage of. Oh, so it didn't work. No, it worked. It worked. Some, <laughs> yeah, it worked. No, but he was like you know doing this and like pulling all this energy out of my arms and shit like that, and. We did it. A, I did it more than once with this dude because he would come over. And I know it sounds kind of weirdly like homoerotic or something like that, but it was very like I think he went around to people's houses and did this, you know. Okay. And uh, but then I started to feel like he was um, like sort of using, like taking my energy he and using stealing. it for himself. He was, like he was stealing yeah. your energy. He oh was because I started so feeling good. like gross afterwards like not not that he ever physically touched me because i mean obviously that's not what the what it is. <laughs> this is like making it anyway um yeah, yeah that's a trip yeah well things certainly change oh they just sure do in new york i mean i love that neighborhood and but that's how i met i met cassie me and cassie started playing together so we were vivian girls at first for a while and then just the two of you well, like, and we knew we wanted a bass player. Right. So, yeah, okay. like, like I don't know, four months or something. Yeah. And then brought Katie on, who was Cassie's friend. And, yeah, that's... Cool. We recorded the first single in the orphanage, played drums on, like, I think I just had, like, a snare and, like, a tom. And, nice. You know, and then Woodsis put it out, and that was that. That was sort of... Yeah. And just what was like on a four track or something like that, or you had? I think some... it was just on a computer. Nice. It was just like on a crappy. It might have even been GarageBand. It was right. just 
so yeah, yeah. actual lo-fi yeah now, for sure yeah. what would be known lo-fi <laughs> yeah that's pretty amazing because then that obviously that even doing a record on that label too probably starts to open things up a little bit more as oh, far definitely. as that group because you did the you guys all were the first album was you were on the album too right did they, oh yeah yeah that's just the one or how many records did you guys do, do you i did i did the first record right what was that experience like fun cool? yeah. fine i mean we did everything mean, to me i listen to it now and it sounds like it but we recorded the whole thing and i think like a week oh cool because i think our budget was eight hundred dollars for it sweet so um we worked with my friend jeremy scott and we just did it really fast and yeah that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it should be. So when you were um, doing your, I mean, the outs would be like the following thing right after that, right? Or was that still like um, years? Then, the well, then I was in Crystal Stilts, and I did, oh, right. I did like one seven inch with them. Um, we recorded that with Gary Olson, who's still recording. He's out in Ditmas Park, and that was quite mm. nice. And yeah, and did some touring with them. So you were just, you just kind of were falling into these different scenes, mm-hmm. right? Different yeah. bands. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was funny because for some reason, I mean, I don't know, Vivian Girls and Crystal still just, they got locked together in people's minds. Yeah, but, for sure. But there was no, the only reason why, was they, the two wouldn't know each other. You know what I mean? They just right. shared me as a drummer. So to this day, I'm, I'm still confused because musically, in my mind, they're nothing alike. But, no, not at all. So... Yeah, but they shared um, maybe a label, right? Did Woodsis do both? No. 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 I mean, I think... No, Woodsis... Oh, yes. Woodsis did do... He reissued the um, the EP, but right. much later. They also share, obviously shared a booking agent, too. So <gasps> Wait. With Chavez. Oh, right. So I right. think there's obviously well, in that, some... That was the same... That was all happening at the same time. Right, right. Like, so yeah, you end up kind of. And that's interesting, yeah. How it sort of inadvertently there's some sort of scene that gets created that way, right? Yeah, I don't know. It was also just really unfortunate because I couldn't do both. There was no right. possible way for me to do both. Yeah. Um, Would you have liked to have? No, I mean, I didn't particularly get along with Vivian girls. That's no, that's no lie at this okay. point. It, it's ancient history now, but yeah, that's all you. Um, so I ended up just staying in crystal stilts, which was fun. It was really easy and fun. And so that's just like another, like just for a year or so too, right? Like before. Yeah, a year. And then I was in, uh, and then I'm trying to remember exactly the order that this happened. I think by that time I had recorded my first single. Uh huh. Is this Girlfriend Island or no? No, this was like. A record called the the only one that somber I don't even know I have one somewhere I don't it's kind of long forgotten but Gary Olson did that too um, the same guy that did Crystal Stars and Slumberland put it out and I think that's when I joined Dum Dum Girls yeah yeah because that again too it's just interesting to me like not to to make you sort of drag you through your history no it's good because I'm forgetting it sometimes it's good to remember it (laughs) yeah no and I love talking about that stuff sometimes. Like, you know, your typical interview, too, can be a little, like, canned in that, like, trying to talk about every record that you've ever done, too. But I do think, one, it's sort of indicative of a certain period of time in New York, too, Mm -hmm. which is kind of also gone past in a way with the passage of time. And that 
um, that you were, you know, played this role because you were drumming in all these things too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of played this role in all these like pretty different bands, you know, de- definitely de- had like different personalities, different kinds of people and different styles of shows and kinds of fans and like the venues you play might be the only thing you really kind of have in common, you know, so I think it's kind of cool and interesting because you're as you're, you know, now that you're because it's been a while since you've been a part of someone else's group now. It's been years, right? Yeah, so, years now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting how that, I guess, does that even inform anything that you've done, that you do now in a contemporary sense? Because you don't play, do you play drums in the studio on your new shit? Or, or is it like uh, you haven't played drums in a band or recorded drums in a long time, right? Um, you know what's funny is that the way I when people ask me about like what do I play? I at this I used to I think I used to actually be good at drums. I think I was a good yeah, drummer. For sure. Um now I I'm I haven't played in so long that I think that I'm sort of just not super great at any instrument. <laughs> okay. Like I can just barely get away with what I get away with and I don't know I don't always play um things on my recording in fact remember my recordings i'll make the demos and then if i want something to sound tight and right i'll like bring somebody else right. like, like session people in because sure. to me it's about like the the outcome like i don't need to be playing on this stuff and some of it like some of the guitar leads and things like i'm very particular about so i'll do that yeah but um yeah for the most part i'm sort of a master of none <laughs> yeah but but i mean you can i mean that's sure that's one way to look at it you know but at the same time even with this new record um if you're i mean you're writing the music mm-hmm. you know and you're composing you're orchestrating like the the mm-hmm. one the sessions too mm-hmm. so i mean if anything you've proven to be like a very proficient producer you know like yeah. um I think that if I have, if I had to say what my talent was with music, it would be having a vision. Like having, right. I'm capable of having vision about what I want to do. Have you ever produced anyone's album? Like no, but I'd really love to. I don't know why anyone, no one ever asked me. Yeah, because <laughs> even I mean, listening to the new one, which I really like a lot, and I've mm-hmm. had a chance to like sit with it for a couple of days and walk, go on walks with it, which is really important for me. And, and even Interstellar, which for me was like a really impactful album. Like I was really in love with that album. And <clears throat> uh, but this new one too is it's very well um, produced. You know, in a way where it's not like overproduced. It's not underproduced. I mean, those are kind of like generic terms. But mm-hmm. um, the way it's composed is really great. So if to be able to apply that to someone besides yourself you, you open yourself up and with so much other possibilities oh, I mean, yeah look at like you know top rungren is like a probably an interesting example of that because he you know has is a really proficient uh, you know ha- had a very prolific career just himself but like produced all of these really random things like the new york dolls and fucking meatloaf and and um the band and shit and they're all like totally different but Whereas his music is its own kind of entity. It would be kind of cool if, uh, you know, in the future, if someone can take that. Because they might not necessarily realize that that uh, the way that you sort of compose the album and bring people in and you you kind of direct them what to do, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. usually it's like a band setting where it's like the people you see on stage, um, the band, like, 
say a Vivian Girls or any kind of traditional mm-hmm. four piece rock band. It's like they go to the studio and they do their parts and then they replay their parts on stage and that's totally fine. And I mean that's a very traditional formula it works, but um, yeah, not to go like totally tangential with it, but. Uh, yeah, because I think this new record is dope. I mean, it actually reminds me a lot. Can I tell you all the things that remind me of Please, because I don't know what it is. I mean, I could tell you what my... I don't have any frames of reference for it. I just have, like, this sort of file of sounds that I like. Right, right. And, like, music that I like that comes out when I make something. But I have no idea what it sounds like. Right. Well, I was definitely felt like it has some, like, Prince element, some yeah. Prince vibe, like, um, Kraftwerk, like, kind of thing. Um new like the new order album republic which is like one of my favorite albums it was like from 93 you know which is their more like kind of synth and drum machine like and i mean all their shit was but it's their 90s kind of like more raved out version not that your shit is like that but um and even like uh tears for fears and stuff like that so it has this kind of a lot of that kind of emotive um uh song structure Mm -hmm. but there's obviously a lot of like synth and, and MIDI stuff too that's happening, right? Oh yeah, yeah, which is dope. Like I like that aspect of it because I couldn't really. My thing is I wouldn't be able to find any kind of contemporary comparisons just because I'm not that completely immersed in like I can't be like yeah it's kind of like Washed Out's album you know or whatever which um, I wouldn't I mean, do. I mean I think that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, cool. Because I think. I mean, if it if it sounds anything, if it sounds like anything original, that that's nice. I mean, I, I want yeah, it to sure. evoke feelings of almost all those bands that you mentioned. Actually, right. all of them. I love all of the bands you just mentioned, um, but not directly be like, we're, I'm lifting these things where it's so obvious, you know. Um, yeah, no, I didn't get I didn't get that sense. It's just you know when you listen to something for the first time too. It's the feelings that evoke from, you know, the first listen to music. You just, you can't control what you, what your brain starts reacting to and right. what it brings you to, right. what it reminds you of. And not that it's, for me, it's more like uh, the kind of emotion it reminds you of, too. So Good. Yeah. That's it's not necessarily what's yeah. important to me. Absolutely, so. yeah. It's not like, oh, this sounds like this song that I'm very familiar with. It's more Good. like that I, vibe. I wouldn't want it. The vibe is the vibe, the feeling, the, I want it to bring back that stuff. I do. That's really important to me. But, I, yeah, right. that's great. I love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because making the record was obviously like, um, was different than the previous ones oh my god this one was crazy yeah so it was like kind of crazy because after the last one i essentially was put in album jail what do you mean (laughs) i mean i think that it's a term that that filmmakers use Mm -hmm. like when they make a a movie and it kind of tanks and then if you're a director and it tanks then you put you're you're put in film jail or do you feel like was that like a self-imposed um no i mean I, I mean, I didn't have anyone knocking on my door. I think it's really hard now anyway, but I didn't have anyone Definitely. knocking down my door saying, do you want uh, all this money to make a, a new record? Right. Um, so, I mean, I also wasn't approaching anyone to do that, but I, it was very clear to me that I was going to have to um, make the record first and then chop it around. Right. And... Yeah, which um, it's kind of like takes you back to just the very beginning it, where you just... You have to. You don't have resources uh, really to speak of besides whatever you can do with your 
bare hands and the equipment that you have, right? Like, if you knew, if you only knew, like, right. because what, <laughs> how this record got made, it's like, it's an actual miracle. Really? Oh, yeah. It was a, monet- it was a monetary miracle. Um, I... I was coming out of a place where I really had no money. I was like on a catering truck in Los Angeles. Right. There's a lot of reasons why, but I mean, like I had a family tragedy and just no one would hire me, and it was like a nightmare. And mm, I was, I'm sorry. Too, it was. I mean, no. I, I mean, it's. I'm. I'm happy to talk about it because it was so crazy that how you can be how you how things can change so fast for oh, anyone. Yeah, no question. Um, in a, in a second, you know, your life can change and. Next thing you know, you know, from, you go from being an international touring artist to like working on a Van Leeuwen ice cream truck. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. So oh, like, that can happen to anybody too. Happen. No one is impervious to that. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, right. No, but I mean, like maybe in the world that we work in yeah. too, where um, yeah, it's hard to keep things going, especially because you know you're kind of. You know, you do a lot of it on your own, too, you know? Yeah. Um, It's true. And I found myself in this position, yeah, where there just wasn't the money. And then by just, there was an actual miracle. Just some money came came through that um, was totally unexpected from old music that I had made. Oh, nice. And I was like, I'm getting out of L.A. I'm going to make a record. um, And I'm going to move back to New York. And I did it. I was able to do it. Nice. How long ago was that? I guess that was like a year and four or five months. So it's wow, so about it was... how long I've been working. Had been working on the record too. It's... So you did the album there in LA. I had I've done this record in so many places because I really did work with what I had. When I didn't have any money, I started doing it in my closet. Like I oh. built out my closet in LA into being a sound like a little sound booth. Right, right. So and I did some of it there. I did some of it on my computer, like with my very crappy setup and. Um, and then when some when I had a little tiny bit of money, I brought in George Elbert, who's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, What's his story? A great friend of producer, mine. yeah. He's a producer. He's amazing. I mean, he's um, he used to do the Lansing Dryden. I don't know if you know. No, I don't. It's a really amazing project. Um, and he, yeah, he's a producer. He he did the Last Hammer record. He's does stuff with Ariel Pink all the time and. He's just a wizard. So, cool. I, I mean, and for me, it was like about time. It was like, sure. so he kind of um, helped me lay out and lay foundations for all of what, 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 from, he took my demos and turned them into like what, what was going to be the foundation of the songs. Yeah. So you had basically had the whole album like sort of self uh, produced, like the demo version of the album. Crappy demo versions, but, yeah. But, um, so he was actually able to bring bases though that were like useful I mean you like usable cool um, and we still did it in my house he's he's that good you know he's nice. a, a wizard so um, and with those I was able to come back to New York and just keep working and I worked with a lot of people and I, I feel like this album there was like 13 versions of every song really yeah it was crazy I was able I mean and everything was on a shoestring. Um, I really didn't have a budget, so I did the all the bass and the um, drums at Converse. Oh no way! Yeah, which is not around anymore. But they they're great. Oh wow! Because, I didn't realize that. No, it's that's really amazing. Sad. You used it. I mean, yeah, what a great resource too. And no, you were actually able amazing. to use it in a practical sense. Too. Oh yeah, I, I knew. I, I mean, the most expensive thing about making a record is recording good drums in a right, good studio. Right. 
Um, so they'll give you two days, uh-huh. which is two whole days. You can do an entire record of yeah. the drums. Yeah. So especially if you're yeah proficient, you can you can knock it out. Oh, know. I brought in like ringers. I brought oh, in dope. like Ian Chang played drums on this. I cool. don't know if you know him. He's like sort of nah. incredible and. Um, so we just knocked it out in two days and um, just the drums. And so that was huge. And yeah, I mean, that's how I've done this. I've done this thing. And then, you know, my friend uh, um, Yale, who owns Dr. Wu's, he has, had been incredibly lean, lenient with me with the studio and kind of um, handed over the keys at some point. Oh, so cool. I was in there a lot, like alone. Oh, wow. You know, like a lot. Nice. So. I don't know. I feel like this this would have been an incredibly expensive record if I actually had clocked all the hours and had been in a re- in like a studio every right. day. Forget it. Like yeah, were the last two records like they were done very differently, right? Like all differently. Like yeah. the last one was just me and um, Michael Cheever in a studio like by ourselves, just yeah. me and him, like the whole thing. Um, and then when, the one before that, it was more piecemeal also. It was right. more similar to the way I made this one, yeah. where I just worked with what I could and had a lot of different people playing on it. And Yeah, it's amazing that you were able to... It seemed like there was, at some point, you might not... like. Did you feel like you might not have been able to do a record? Like, it would have just... You would just been... Going down a different path, kind of slowly, it seemed like when uh, you went to LA. Right? Apparently, I say every every time after I make a record. I didn't realize this, but anytime anyone interviews me after I make a record, I say, "I I think that's it. Right. I think I'm done. <laughs> right. I don't think I'm going to make another one. Right. I think I'm done." She was a very dramatic. Yeah. So I don't think that I'm not even going to say that. I think I thought I wasn't, but I, then I always do. Yeah. And I really had motivation for this one because I was like, "Oh my God, I can't be a, I can't be on uh, I, I can't be on an ice cream truck. Like I'm not an no. ice cream scooper." No, no, and it's interesting how much uh, when you find your life in any kind of place like that, when mm-hmm. you're like, "Yeah, like um, it's not I'm not going to use it's not desperation, but when you're in a place where it's like I can't see my life." going in this way right. like i i i have to steer this ship back to yeah. like where i belong to be or when there's something drastic that happens you know and financial shit i mean i dude i deal with that all the time just because i'm self-employed and i i mean most of my work is work uh, is for commission so mm-hmm. like there's definitely moments when it's like yeah um i'm like really broke i'm actually mm-hmm. genuinely broke and yeah. uh I'm going to go to the farmer's market with, like, this bag of change because I know I can at least, like, get, like, an apple and, like, a little zucchini and it's, like, a dollar. And, like, I'll make it until that. Ne- I got a check coming in, like, two weeks. So it's shit like that where you start getting hyper creative, you know, because. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had, had to, like, um, you have no idea. I mean, L.A. was crazy. I We were, my me and my family at, at one point were making furniture, which you see here, actually, I have. We, oh, you do this we, bench? Yeah, of the bench, the table, the I mean, I have a lot of the tops and not the bottoms now, but oh, awesome! Um, yeah. yeah, that thing that's right yeah. there. Like we were selling great tabletops and yeah. like yeah, yeah, and the, I mean the ironwork and too everything. But we were oh, doing awesome. this and selling it at the flea markets on on the weekends. Wow! I mean, talk about getting creative. So, you know, all that aside, and there's so much more to the story. It was just so insane. Tell me more if you can. I mean. Well, I mean, what I mean, what happened? My family just had like a really bad tragedy where they were um, living in Mexico. They were 
um, they lost their house. Oh, it was terrible. So, I mean, I don't know if you remember. I did have GoFundMe. It was really... It no, was, I didn't remember. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I, I so, like, I can't even fathom. I'm not the kind of person that, like, wants to ask anyone for anything. Of course. Let alone, yeah, like, like, charity or something. Right. But it was, like, that kind of a situation where was like my family is semi-homeless mm. oh yeah it was really crazy I'm surprised you didn't see it um, you know like all of Franz Ferdinand gave me money John Norris it was really weird I mean it was very like sweet that's and amazing though it was amazing but it was like uh, I, I just it was awful it was just really awful I mean hence like just there was just no money so this is just a few years ago too right? and this was a yeah I mean I guess it was probably two years ago or something now yeah so they're all fine now. Everything's fine. And they have a place. They have a house. Yeah, we, my brother has a little one bedroom in Mexico, and um, yeah, it was it was really crazy. Like their house was attacked by thugs. I guess you would call it. Really. Yeah, that just like stole everything they own, and they destroyed the house, and like oh poured concrete over the wires. Like there was Holy no electricity. Shit. Like they had to leave. It was like there was no place for them to go. This so, was in Mexico too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god. So, yeah, I mean, it was just like a really crazy, I mean, it sounds like a movie. It doesn't sound real. It, it doesn't sound like this, this, this kind of... unbelievable. Yeah, it doesn't, like, this kind of stuff doesn't, like, doesn't sound real. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, like, the situation, and it was really devastating for me to have to do the the GoFundMe thing, too. Like, I, I can't believe that, it, that that had to happen, but it did, well, and it listen, got him like, out of hot water. I mean, that's, and it got you over this, that period of time, and you can move mm-hmm. on. You can, you, I mean, and that's kind of... Got that, th- them over, not me. I was on the <laughs> truck still. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what you did was a great thing to help them, yeah. to help your family, you know? No, no, no regrets about that. I really did what I had to do, and I'm totally fine with it, and I would do it again in a second. I yeah, really would. That's so. amazing. Yeah, I mean, listen, I did, I did the GoFundMe, too, when my, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I... When my kidneys failed and I got out of the hospital and I got, I no longer had the job that I had before I went in and I had no source of income and I had, uh, you know, a vast amount of bills, which I will continue to have because I'm on meds for the rest of my life because of my transplant. I mean, I remember this. Yeah. And I was like, I had a friend that basically talked me into it. It wasn't like something I wanted to do at all. My friend also was like, you have to do this. Yeah. I mean, putting yourself out there like that in a way where you are, don't want it to be perceived as though you're, you're asking for a handout, if you will, Mm -hmm. or that you need this charity. But I can tell you right now that, um, that, GoFundMe totally saved my life. But, right. And I don't doubt that it it did something very similar for your family, too, I would certainly oh, think. Oh, definitely. I, d- I really don't know. What, there was literally no other option. There yeah. was no... It's like an emergency. Option. It is in a real emergency, which is why to this day, like, I just had my amp stolen out of my van. Yeah, I saw that. I just <laughs> saw that recently. What? So oh, what God. happened with that? Um, Someone with a very powerful crowbar... I mean, they the amps were in a lockbox in like a in midday in transit. It was like I I just had them. I was just gonna bring them up to my apartment, and they were in. It was they were locked in with three big locks into a lockbox. Okay. And um, in a van or something. In my van, in the back of my van, um, which I've never had problems with this lockbox. I've taken it on tour. It's always been fine. Someone just took a had a very powerful crowbar and broke my window and managed to get the locks break the locks off, and they took my amps. 
Damn. And it took about 10 minutes um, at noon Holy in shit. front of my house. So it was... So they'd been watching you or something. Or they saw... I don't know, because it wasn't obvious. Yeah, right. I mean, they must have been. So, yeah, I don't That's know. That's so fucked. It's really fucked. But I would never... I would, I would never do a GoFundMe for that. I just wouldn't. I, I, I yeah. get it when bands do do it, but like I just Yes, because that, that, that has happened. Yeah, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah, that's a tough call. It is yeah. a tough call. I mean, this but, is just for me personally. If no, I get it. If people do it and they want to do it, like, I totally support you. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah. But I just think after, like, I don't know. That's a you risk of being know. just <laughs> being a touring musician because that stuff just happens and it's pretty, like, it's a pretty regular occurrence if you really think about it. But that totally sucks. I mean... That's, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. There's Because that was just a few months ago, right? It's like, yeah, like a month and a half or something. And yeah. pedals, too, and shit, though, too. My right? pedals. Yeah, my pedals, which I've now replaced. And I got an and I got one of the amps. One of the amps is a little too expensive. But also, these amps that I had were kind of monsters. Were they? Yeah, I feel like we're now in, like, the age where, I don't know, you need to schlep around giant amps at right. this point. Like, yeah, and who steals amps in the middle of the day, too? It's like it's crazy. I'm like, there must have been a team. I don't understand. It was a JC120 and a Deluxe well, Reverb. And yeah, like, those are heavy as shit. Yes, and it was just, there must have been like three of them. I can't. And what's even the resale value of that? I mean, it can't be too high, right? Like, I don't even know, but. Uh, it could be good, but like, how? How? I mean, maybe it's sitting right. on eBay somewhere. I don't. Maybe, yeah. The whole thing is. Yeah, that's crazy. bullshit. I'm so sorry that you had to Oh, that's that. okay. There's some, some lesson in it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Now we got to take our lumps, you know, in life and shit. It's just bullshit half the time. Too, yeah. You know? But that hopefully that informs the music and. I mean, uh, it does, and, we, and like we're talking about all this dark shit, but like to be honest with you, um, like I'm so grateful. Yeah. Now, like I can't believe that I I did what I said I was gonna do. Yeah, you accomplished it. You got. I, it. I did it's it. Done. I have an incredible house in Brooklyn. I have like an amazing dog. I have like all yes. my friends. Like I made a freaking record, which like all odds were against me. Like all yeah, odds it sounds were against me. Like yeah, it sounds like it for sure. So, to me, I. And I know it sounds really hokey, but like I'm almost grateful for the experience yeah. because. I have a lot of gratitude. I'm so much gratitude now. Like Yeah. You have to impenetrable yeah. gratitude. No, and no one can take that from you. And those those hard experiences, you know, they stick with you too. When you need a reminder, you can always remember what you just went through. You know? mm-hmm. Like um Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And you have like you know, you're going back out on the road too, which is. Oh yeah, kind of, I never thought I would be on tour again. Yeah, definitely, because it's I been a, it's been a couple years, it's right? Been three years. Wow. Yeah, about three years. That's amazing. I know. I'm really excited. I'm nervous about a headlining tour, but I mean. But you've never been super stoked on like totally like being out, putting yourself out there. Right? No, I love to. You do. I okay. love touring. It's yeah. just. It's hard to tour. I mean, like, you have to have everything lined up. It has to... The climate has to be right. I mean, there has oh, to be, sure. also has to be people to come see you. So Absolutely. I, mean, I am nervous about a headlining tour. I'm not going to lie about that because... But it's been a minute, so you have some... It's, it's good because people haven't had a chance to you see never, you in a while. You never know. 
Right. If I could just support Franz Ferdinand for the rest of my life, I, I would do that job. <laughs> yeah, there's something to be said about doing those because it's, you know, it's the pressure's off too. Oh, know? yeah. I hate, that's what I don't like. I don't like the being try, being the main the main act. Like, I like to yeah. be the supporting guy. So Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, some people like it the other way, though. They, they want all that attention and the spotlight and all that on them. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm just stoked that, one, that you made a really great record that I think is genuinely good and well-made and sounds cool and that you have the privilege to go back out and, like, people can see it. Cause, and yeah. I do have the best band I've ever had right now. Nice, like, yes. Hands down, so there's a, my, yeah. band, my bandmates, they in not only in personality, but they're they're great, great players. And cool. So I'm Who really is it? I'm really proud of them. Um... I have Jamie. Jamie's been, has been my drummer in New York before. Oh, cool. um, uh, Jamie Ingalls. He play. He plays with a bunch of people. He used to play with Chairlift and. So you have some seasoned players yeah, with you. I really do. Legit people. Legit. Cool musicians. Really great. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, before we kind of wrap it too, I want to kind of talk to you about. So I saw this video that you put out, or this kind of like a promo bumper video mm. for Trouble, mm-hmm. which is the single, basically, right? That's like the first. There's what? no single. I don't know why we decided to release that one first, but we did. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I like that song, but I'm kind of more fascinated with that video too, in oh, a different way, yeah. because you have like this UFO hotline on it. Oh right? yeah. So is that a legitimate number? Because I'm not. It's, having... Yeah, it's a number, and it's based out of Roswell, New Mexico. And um, I'm not actually listening to the to the messages. Um, My my friend is because I don't I don't want to (laughs) know. I'm like I'm scared of what's on there. I'm sure there's people that are like, "Fuck you, you suck. The song sucks." You know who knows what's on there? Oh, I doubt there's. But I know that there's been a lot of messages. So yeah, the good ones we're gonna keep and put on my podcast that I'm starting with my friend Juan. Oh, um, sweet. Called Weird Night with Juan and Frankie, and it's like a paranormal podcast. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, I want. So, have you had? Um, obviously, you're a fan of that world, but have you ever had any kind of like um, paranormal experiences? No. Life? Really? Yeah. No. Well, hopefully, that's will invite really it into annoying. Your life. Yeah. I really want to see a UFO or yeah. a ghost or something, but no, I haven't had nothing <laughs> like that happen to me. I had um, I have one experience of that as a as a child um, when uh, I was there's two different kind of things in my childhood home which my father still lives in and in Blacksburg Virginia where in my bedroom uh, um, two different times I saw Virginia's haunted I tell you I I mean yeah this is kind of like in the cut too in the Appalachian Mountains. <clears throat> and I saw uh, one. I th- I felt as though I had an encounter at night, um, very close to my window. It was like a bright light from above that wasn't from the street or anything like that. And then shortly thereafter, there was a hovering craft. Oh, we're like, talking about aliens here. Yeah, I'm talking about like a UFO experience. Uh, but then again, as a, you know, a child has a you know obviously has a very active imagination too. But I felt very much in that. You might be in a. You might be in a. Uh, ab, uh, why can't I talk right now? Abductee. Maybe I don't know because it. Uh, you should do some um, like some re- like uh, hypnosis. I would love to know because it's definitely stuck with me um, since childhood. I was probably all of nine or ten or something like that. You might, I was you might watching... even be a hybrid alien. <laughs> I would love that. Alien. That explains some uh, parts of my <laughs> life for sure. Um, <laughs> 
but I was watching a lot of Unsolved Mysteries too. Oh, so okay. I feel I don't know if it was like a self-imposed like abduction somehow, but um, but there's a lot of great um, extraterrestrial experiences on Unsolved Mysteries too. Which are all, they re-released a bunch of them. Uh, yeah, I remember that when I was a kid. I, know, I, know, I love that show. Yeah, I remember like, I love the theme song. It seems, the theme song oh, is amazing. It's, yeah, it's addictive. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah, well, I want to tune into that. So are you, it's, you guys are in pre-production right now? Of it, or? We, um, just, we just finished our first episode. So awesome. I think the musical guest is going to be Hima. From, cool. But I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I can't. Nice. We got yeah. a list. We got a list. Yeah, and you're talking about um, like popular stories, or what's the uh, like when you're talking about the, like paranormal experiences and stuff. They're like all going to be different. Like we're going to do, we're going to run the gamut. Like, cool. but their first one, their first episode is we have um, an interview with these two women that live in Peru that um, speak to aliens and they wow. speak alien language, Whoa. and it sounds really corny. What no, I'm telling, cool. like what I'm, the way I'm saying it, but they are so, they're actually really amazing. The whole, talking to them, they're so on the level. They're just amazing, amazing people. The yeah. interview is so great. Like, oh, I can't wait. Not, so it'll be guests like of that ilk. Yeah, like that, or you know, I want to do a life after death episode soon. I have to find yeah. somebody who has had one. Yeah, I feel like once you start opening yourself up to oh. that world, they'll be coming <laughs> they'll to you come before to me. you know it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you'll have your pick of the litter uh, for sure. Uh, well, dope. I'm going to check that out. And um, I'm so excited about the record, too. And um, I'm just so grateful that we could um, chat for a little bit. Me, too. I yeah. feel so lucky that anyone wants to ask me questions at all. That's oh, great. please. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you for your time. My too. pleasure. Nice. That was awesome. That was something else. And I just want to thank Frankie Rose for her time and generosity in doing the podcast with me. Definitely find that album, Cage Tropical, which comes out August 11th on Slumberland Records. Great, great record label that I've always admired. Um, And definitely look at those tour dates because she's doing a full national U.S. tour and then an extensive uh, U.K. and European tour all through the fall. And uh, you can get that at frankierose.info. Oh, yeah, and her podcast, too. Check it out. Weird Night with Juan and Frankie. Uh, as far as the house list goes, every episode is edited and engineered by C.J. Stewart. I want to thank him. He does it as a labor of love. Uh, I do it as a labor of love for you. My trip to California, um, which I'll be on by the time this thing posts, is all self-funded and done just for you guys to check out i try to talk to a range of different people in music both artists and industry and whomever really uh so uh whomever you would find on any given house list at any given venue or club that's the type of shit i'm on you know what i'm saying you can find us on twitter at house list pod if this was your first time listening i definitely appreciate it please subscribe on itunes and uh, if you prefer to listen to podcasts on soundcloud it's at uh, the houseless podcast on soundcloud uh feel free to repost it retweet it if you can if you have a blog or a website or like a mailing list or anything like that just help me get the word out and that's all i ask i love being able to spread this around for folks who are into them and uh, what else can i say i'm going to end the show on a track from another album of frankie's just a snippet of it that i love 
from Interstellar, which is a really great record. And that's also on Slumberland, which I highly suggest uh, looking out for. This is the title track off that. So when Cage Tropical comes out on August 11th, get that, get the other record, and go see the tour. All right? What else can I say? Listen, I also have a record coming out on my label too, Prince Paul Instrumental, shipping in September. So get a pre-order right now. Find it online. I would appreciate it if you guys are a fan of Prince Paul and me and the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, see you guys later.